everybody. We're so glad that you are here. And I just want to say up front to any guests we have in the room today, I'm going to apologize to you because uh, today and next Sunday are going to feel a little bit different as we're talking about some vision, you know, for those that would call Riverway their home church. Um, you just got done seeing a little bit of our history and a little bit of the future. Uh, but really in the fall of 2009, early 2010, uh, Tara and I just had this nagging in our heart towards building a new church and a new expression of what church could look like. Uh, we both grew up in church. Um, we were around it, right? We pastored teenagers for nearly 12 years. We were involved in it. But we saw the church having less and less of an impact as a whole, especially on their local communities. And the more that we dug into these feelings, uh, the more we tried to pay attention to what was happening in our hearts, we had this overwhelming sense of sadness uh, for the state of the church, uh, just nationwide, that we saw churches not having the kind of impact that I think that maybe they wanted to have, especially when it comes to our community. And when you begin to dig into the numbers, what you realize is this, is that 80% of churches are not growing at all. Eight out of every 10, not growing. And 90% of all churches will never get over 150 people. And so you go, all right, why is that? Um, is it because we paid maybe more in attention to what's happening inside than outside? And so we started asking questions like this, that if churches started closing their doors, what kind of impact would the community feel? I think that's a really important question because sadly what we realize is that if churches, many churches that close their doors, the community wouldn't even notice. They wouldn't even know that they went away. And I thought, is this really God's best and what he's called us to when it comes to representing him and trying to be his light in our communities. And so we began to ask this question early in 2010. If Jesus were starting a church today, what would it look like? That's probably a good question, right? If you're going to start a church, what would Jesus do? I remember the bracelets, you know, WWJD, what would Jesus do? And that's exactly what we did. And we just started diving back into the New Testament. And we prayed and said, God, give us fresh eyes to see the kind of church and the example that you've set out for us. And so right inside of your bulletins are some message notes. I'm going to have you grab those out. And I've just got a, just a couple this morning for you to fill in. And actually, we've got a few verses right on your notes as well with actually a fill-in as well. Uh, because we have to answer this question when it comes to the future of who we're going to be as a church. What kind of example, and this is right in your notes, what kind of example does Jesus give us in reaching others? What kind of example does he give us? And we read in Mark 6, 34, it says this, when Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had, what's that word? He had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. In other words, Jesus saw the crowd. He wasn't filled with annoyance. He wasn't filled with, oh great, what do they want from me now? No, no, no. He was filled with compassion. And why was he filled with compassion? Because when he looked at these people, this is what he thought. These people are lacking direction for their life. They're like sheep without anyone leading them. And his heart was moved towards people that were lacking this kind of direction. Mark 1, 40, 41, another spot in the New Testament we see. It says, a man with leprosy came and knelt in front of Jesus, begging to be healed. And if you are willing, you can heal me and make me clean, he said. And moved with, what's that word? Moved with, what's that word? Compassion. 
Jesus reached out and touched him. I'm willing, he said, be healed. He says, I see the brokenness in your life and I'm willing. I'm empathetic. My heart is moving towards you. I'm, I'm compassionate with what you're facing in your life. And I'm here because I want to do something about it. See, there was something so important that Jesus did that as a church, we have to again and again and again pay very close attention to. And it's just fulfilling on your notes. That Jesus allowed compassion to be a guide to helping those around him. And we should do the same. Jesus allowed compassion to be his guide. He allowed his heart to be empathetic. To look at the needs around him and say, I want to make a difference. I want to do something about this. Early on when we were starting, we did some preview services. You saw a picture of our opening day, you know, which was amazing because there was 200 people there. And we thought, oh, this is amazing. We, you know, there's already 200 people. This is going to be easy. And then the next week there was like 60. You know, it was, it was kind of depressing. But we realized the first week was a lot of family and friends that were like, hey, this is great. Good luck. Bye. <laughs> And uh, so then it was just like the grind. Well, before that kickoff service, we spent a couple weekends every single month in the summer going door-to-door on Sunday mornings, and we were knocking on doors, letting them know that a new church was coming to our communities. And the reason we went on Sunday mornings is we figured if they were already going to a church, they would be gone at church. We weren't looking to steal people from other churches. We wanted to find people who were unchurched. And in fact, if you didn't know this, it's important to know this, that 60% of people in our local communities are not going to church anywhere. Six out of every ten people. That's a lot of people to reach. And so we had teams out that were knocking on doors this morning, on that morning. And, and I'll never forget that one of the teams came back and said, hey, I think that there's uh, someone that you need to go talk to. And I said, well, tell me what's going on. And they said, well, there's a family that uh, when we knocked on the door and opened the door, we, we realized that there was literally nothing inside. Nothing. And we asked her, you know, if she had just moved in, and she had said that she had moved in a couple months prior. And I said, what do you mean there was nothing? They said, there was nothing in the house. And they said, so as we began to hear her story, what we found out is that she had been saving and saving and saving to finally own a home of her own. And there was a month between having to get out of her apartment and securing her brand new home. And so she put all of her stuff in a friend's garage And that garage burnt to the ground a week before she moved in. She had no insurance. She was left with nothing. And so I went back to the house and I introduced myself and and I heard her story again. And and I just kind of went out on a limb. I just said, hey, would it be okay if we came by this week? And, uh, you know, we've got a small group of people that are starting our church. And I'm sure they might have some things that they could help out with. Would it be okay if we stopped by this week and we just dropped some stuff off? She was a little bit taken aback at first, as you can imagine, and after a while, you know, she said, man, anything would be wonderful. Anything would be great. And so that afternoon, I sent an email out to kind of the core 30 people that had decided to help us launch Riverway, and had said, hey, you know, I explained the situation, and I said, on Wednesday this week, we're going to grab our trailer, and we're just going to pick up anything you have, anything you have in your home that you don't need or you're willing to part with. This family literally has nothing. But all the while, we've been, dil- we've been building this DNA that Jesus allowed compassion to be his guide. And on that Sunday morning, our hearts were moved with compassion for this family. It was a single mom. She had a daughter, I believe, that was 20, 21 years old that was living with her at the time as well. 
And to my surprise, everybody on our, on our launch team just kept emailing back and responding. I have this, I have this, I have a couch, I have a dining room table, I've got lounge chairs, I've got a TV, I've got dressers, I've got this, I've got that. And we went out, we pulled some money, and we got our brand new pots and pans and dishes and all that. And on that Wednesday afternoon, we pulled up to our house, her not understanding or expecting anything that we were about to bring. And we opened the back of that trailer, and a team of us just started unloading things into her house. And she was blown away. And she stood on her doorstep as things were coming in, and, and everything that came off the truck, she was crying harder and harder. She just couldn't believe it. And she asked me this all-important question that has stuck with me to this day. And she said this, why would you do this for me when you don't even know me? And the only thing I could think to say in that moment is that we might not know you, but God does. And he loves you. And he loves your daughter. And that coming Sunday, we actually had a service, one of our previous services at Oxbow. And she asked about it, and we told her, and we just said, listen, no strings attached, we're just doing this as a gift for you. And that next Sunday morning, she showed up with her daughter to church. And on that day, she checked that box, she said, I'm crossing the line of faith, and I'm making Jesus Christ the leader of my life. And it was in that moment that we discovered early on this important truth. That as, as we allow compassion to be our guide, God will open up doors into people's lives. No matter where they're at on their journey, no matter how long they've been gone, no matter how many mistakes they've made, Jesus is all about opening the doors and welcoming everybody in. And that's what I love about Jesus, is that people who are nothing like Jesus, like Jesus. And he liked them back. And in Matthew chapter 9, this passage of scripture became kind of a founding passage for us here at Riverway. And the story reads like this. That passing along, Jesus saw a man at his work collecting taxes. His name was Matthew. Now, tax collectors in this day were a very hated group of people because they were taxing basically their own people and they, they had the job from the Roman government that they could add on whatever you know, fees they wanted to and they were robbing people blind. Tax collectors were hated in this time. And Jesus comes across Matthew who's collecting taxes and he says to him, come along with me. And Matthew stood up and followed him. And later, when Jesus was eating supper at Matthew's house, I mean, imagine, you know, the gossip. Jesus was there with his close followers, and a lot of disreputable characters came and joined them. Now, I don't know what disreputable means, but I'll just let your mind kind of wander into that space. And when the Pharisees, the religious leaders of that time, saw Jesus keeping this kind of company, they had a fit and lit into Jesus' followers what kind of example is this from your teacher? Acting cozy with crooks and riffraff. I like that word. I'm going to start using that, riffraff. Jesus overhearing this conversation between the religious leaders and his followers and shot back. Jesus said, who needs a doctor? The healthy or the sick? Go figure out what this scripture means. I'm after mercy, not religion. I'm here to invite outsiders, not coddle insiders. Pretty bold for a one-man show. Yet that's what Jesus was. 
I mean, the religious leaders couldn't believe that Jesus was hanging out with this group of people, that he would be seen with them, let alone hanging out at the tax collector's house. And all the while, what they were trying to create is an us versus them mentality. The good religious people versus everybody else. And what Jesus wanted to instruct us, and I believe even 2,000 years later, he's wanting us to grab this piece of his heart. That it's never been us versus them. It's always only been us. Jesus is the only one that gets to be on the other side. Because every single one of us were once in a place that we needed answers to questions that we didn't have. We needed hope to hopelessness. We needed healing for brokenness. We needed joy for sadness. And for many of us in this room, we have found that answer in Jesus. We found it in him. And he's given us a direction for life. Many of us, we were once like sheep without a shepherd. Felt like we were wandering through life blindly, and yet Jesus came into our life and he's given us direction and the hope that we've been looking for. And this is why at Riverway, we want to continue to create an irresistible environment for unchurched people to come and begin a relationship with God. And we are unapologetic about it. Because at the core of Jesus' heart, this is who he was drawing to himself. Not the religious people who were going through the motions, who thought they had it all figured out. No, Jesus said, listen, I want to hang out with the people who are looking for some answers in their life. No matter where they've been. So that they can find their way back to their heavenly Father. That's what Jesus was on mission for. To open wide the doors and say, you're welcome. And it reminds me of a young man that I met. It's just a strange turn of events. His name was Josh Folds. And Josh is from England, and he moved here, and he got a basketball scholarship, and he's super tall, and I'm not, and I'm jealous. But Josh went to school, and he met a girl there named Naomi, and her family attended our church. And one weekend, he brought, she brought him to church. Didn't grow up in a Christian home. In fact, never really knew much about Christianity at all. And yet something sparked on that day when he came to Riverway. And he decided, I'm going to start watching online because they didn't live here. He said, I'm going to start watching every week online. Go ahead and show that picture of just Josh and I at the egg hunt again, if you would. Yeah, there's Josh and I. You can see I'm actually like 6'5", and so he's got to be like 9 feet or something, but I don't know. And he came up to me. He said, I'm Josh Folds. And I said, hi, Josh Folds. Nice to meet you. He says, you mentioned my name in a service a couple weeks ago. I said, I did. Because we were talking about reaching lost people. And just the week before, someone had filled out a card saying they were crossing a line of faith. And so I just brought it up. Had no idea his story. Had no idea where he was from. And on that day, we began a conversation and began a friendship. And it's just been so cool what God's done in his life. And that, later that summer, we were able to baptize Josh. And I love this picture uh, right here. This is Josh getting baptized, uh, deciding to put his faith in Jesus Christ. But can I tell you that stories like Josh wouldn't happen if we weren't the kind of church that said, we're going to open wide our doors. No matter where you've been, no matter what you've done, you're welcome. In fact, you can belong before you believe. You can hang out and you can be a part of this environment. And this kind of impact was so important to Jesus. And if it was important to Jesus, it's got to be important to us. That Jesus came for outsiders. And that is what we must do. And this landing place campaign that we started a year ago was so important, I believe, to the future of us reaching people. We decided that we were at a point in the life of our church that we needed to raise funds to have land that could one day be our own. 
Because while this is a great environment, wow, it's not ours, right? It's a lot of setup, a lot of teardown, and really nothing's guaranteed. There's no guarantee that we could be here a month from now, right? Permanency is so important, not only for the health and life of our church, but also what we want to do in the future. Because it's not enough to just show up on a Sunday morning, right? It's not enough to just, as sometimes churches do, they just open the door and say, well, we hope people will come. I hope people that need hope and answer just happen to show up today. Rather, we've got to go where they are. And that is why we lead with blessing in our community. It's why a week from this coming Friday, we'll be at Andrews Park, and we're going to provide all the eggs, and we're going to provide a sound system. We're going to provide coffee and water for people that come to the Champlain Egg Hunt. Right? How do we be a blessing? How do we be out in the community? How do we meet practical needs? It's why we do Block of Blessing. It's why we do Family Fun Fest. It's why we do Fifth Sundays. It's why we're involved in the local schools. It's why we're involved in the local communities. Because we want to be the light coming into the darkness saying, hey, Jesus loves you. He has a plan for you. And Jesus did this over and over again. I mean, if you read the New Testament, you can't escape this fact that Jesus healed the sick. He fed the hungry. He stepped onto the scene and met practical needs ever before. Check this out. Ever before they decided to follow him. Jesus wasn't like, hey, if you can sign on the dotted line here and you decide to follow me, then I'll heal you of that leprosy. Then I'll feed you. No. Jesus figured out something brilliant that I believe that we've been able to capture just a little bit of. And it's this, and it's in the next film in your notes. Jesus showed us that leading with blessing always opens a heart. Jesus showed us that leading with blessing always opens a heart. And it's why from the very beginning we decided that one day we would not just build a church, but we were going to build a community center that focuses on meeting the real needs of those in our communities, a place that could be open seven days a week, we didn't believe it would be fiscally responsible to spend millions of dollars on a building that only gets sat in two hours a week. We needed a place that could actually make a difference in people's lives day in and day out. And it's why we envision this place having multiple gyms, an indoor playground where families can gather, especially in winter months, an auditorium slash banquet hall where there can be meetings, receptions, parties, a clothing and food center where people in need can come and have those needs met, job training, a mechanic bay where single parents can get cars worked on. Tutoring for those kids that need it. Dedicated kids space. And every parent was like, yeah. All right. Dedicated kids space. Dedicated youth space. Areas for small groups to meet. And on and on and on the list goes. Because I believe this to be true. That if we can bless our local communities through really tangible ways, their hearts will become open to the message that Jesus is living through us. That there's something different about us. And maybe you've heard this saying before, well, if you build it, they will come. Right? You remember that movie? If you build it, they will come. And for many churches, that's their thought. Well, if we just build a big building, then people will show up. But our philosophy from the very beginning is that, it, no, 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 that's not how it works. But if we will work on building them, it, the building, will come. If we build them, it will come. And so the question, as we look at our communities, as we look at our culture, as we look at society, addiction, divorce, suicide, at all times high, at all time highs, the question becomes this. And if you weren't paying attention, please lean in right here. If that is true and hopelessness is rising, 
What are we going to do about it? And let me ask you a more pointed question. What are you going to do about it? Because this isn't my church. This is our church, a part of the church of Jesus Christ. And he has called every single one of us to be on mission with him. To be a light and to bring this message of good news to people who don't have it yet. And it's why we're in the middle of this campaign. We are one year into this campaign. And so many of you sacrificially were a part of this thing and pledged last year saying, hey, we're going to sacrifice something over the next 24 months to see permanent land become a, become a reality for us. And so what is required of us? 1 John 3, 17 and 18 says this, but if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Let us not love in word or talk, because we're good at that, let's be honest. But let's love in deed and in truth. Hebrews 13, 16 says, Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. It makes God smile when we sacrifice what truly isn't even ours, that we can't take with us when we die, to say, God, we want to help reach other people for you. Proverbs 28, 27, Those who give to the poor will lack Nothing, but those who close their eyes to them receive many curses. You see your last filling. What does this mean? It means Jesus instructs us to be part of the solution to bring physical and spiritual healing. That's what he's calling us to. That's what he's instructing us to do, to be part of the solution to bring physical and spiritual healing. So will you be part of that solution? Because if you're willing to, it's going to take more than words. It's going to cost us all something to do something big for God. But when we are willing to sacrifice as an act of love to God, the opportunities in front of us can be claimed. We're going to be able to reach so many more people. And I love this promise in Luke 6:38: Give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For with the measure you use it will be the measured back to you. The measure in which you give it will be the measure in which God gives it back to you. What an incredible promise that we can't all give God. We can use what we have to further his kingdom. And I'm going to invite Bruce Franz out. Uh, Bruce has been our campaign director uh, for Landing Place. And uh, he's also one of our board members. And uh, Bruce has done such an awesome job just kind of leading our church through this. Welcome, welcome, welcome. And uh, yeah, you can welcome Bruce. Thank and so, you. Yeah, absolutely. So this thing that we're getting into, and I know we only got a couple minutes, but uh, this thing right here, it's really going to take all of us to pull off, isn't it? It will. And, you know, I want to thank you for allowing me to be a part of this too, as Ryan was saying, being a part of something bigger than yourself too. And, you know, this Landing Place reboot not only confirms and thanks you that are participating in it, but gives others the opportunity to join in too. And as Ryan said, too, sacrificially, we need to give. Yeah. And again, we know that uh, we've made a difference in the community. You've made a difference in the community. That's right. And that's what Riverway is about. Yeah. It's not sacrificing on those ministries. Yeah. And, you know, when we launched uh, 
the campaign last year, we were looking for 2.26. We fell a little bit short, so we've got a gap of about 190,000. We're at 2.07, I believe. Yeah, I think we have a slide that kind of shows kind of what was pledged last year. And so our landing place goal, that was a one fund goal. That was our operations. That was continuing outreaches like yep. Family Fun Fest and Miracle Sunday. We don't want to stop doing those. Uh, some savings for us and then also a purchase of land that we think will be somewhere in the vicinity of seven to $900,000, yep. right? And so we've been looking at that and saying, hey, this is our, this is our goal Two point to do all of that, two point two six million. And last year, I mean, we were blown away. Two point zero seven million was pledged on cards. Yep, and that's with continuing with our outreaches too. That we were not going to give up on that. That was a big thing. Yeah, that we continue that. Yeah, because there were there were some people that said, "Hey, why don't you just stop doing your outreaches yeah. during this two year period?" And, and we that, said, "We can't." That's not Riverway. That's not that's the not DNA who we of are. And I want to encourage those that have already pledged though too that we know. There may be some uh, changes in your life, whether it's a job cut, maybe there's some emergencies. If you need to make a change on that, you know, please feel free. We're not here to hound you on that. That's between you and God. Yeah. And as Ryan talks about that transfer of trust, too, with our finances, this is God's campaign. Yeah, it absolutely is. And so we know, too, you know, through the campaign people that have been helping us, that roughly about 5% of our pledges just go unfulfilled, whether it's, you know, people moving away, whether it's job loss, job cut, whatever it is, uh, which actually represents about another $100,000. And so we have a goal. These last 12 months, and that's why we're doing this reboot, yep. is we want to invite those of you that weren't here a year ago, those of you that weren't a part of the campaign or for whatever reason last year couldn't, maybe you wanted to but just couldn't, uh, to really be a part of this for the last 12 months. And so on your way in today, you should have received a booklet, our landing place booklet. I want to encourage you to read it. There's lots of great information in there, some great examples, some FAQs in there, some nitty-gritty details that we don't want to go into today, but you can take that home and read it. And then you also have a commitment card. And we're not doing anything with those today. We're actually going to be collecting those next week at the end of service. Uh, but we're asking people to pray and say, God, how could we be a part of this to make this a reality for us? And I, I think that's true. I, you know, my wife and I, Patty, and I have been in prayer about this um, to sacrificially give. Yeah. And you know, we talked about it. It's not equal gifts amongst us, but it's sacrificial. Yeah, equal and, sacrifice. Yep, equal sacrifice. Yeah. And again, it's amazing to see God pour his blessings on us throughout the year, even when we think we're going to get in a tough time. And you still look at that landing place goal. And again, as Ryan just spoke earlier to it, just the impact that we can make. And time is running short. Yeah. We need to get this done. Yeah, we got about 13 months left. Yep. Right now, we're at 44% of our goal. Correct. Uh, so at the end of this month, we should be at 50%. Now, so it kind of seems like we're on track. Yeah, but we've had a lot of our bigger gifts already given, too. Yeah, so we've, we've had some bigger gifts that have been given in full. Yep. Which means that this last 56%. It's got to come in the next 13 months. In the next so. 13 months, and it's really going to come through just the faithfulness yep. of what we pledge, what we've all said, hey, we're going to sacrifice over these next 13 remaining months to help bring in because we believe that God's in it. And I know for some of you, uh, just like he said, you know, if you need to change downward, we'll change with you. Just, you can fill out a new card next week and turn it in. But I know there might be some of you too that over the last year, God's blessed you because you stepped out in faith. God's been blessing you even more. And you say, wow, uh, we're now in a place that we could actually give more than what we pledged last year. Maybe you want to up your pledge. Maybe you're saying, hey, I want to help close the gap of the $290,000 that really we need in new pledges uh, next weekend to help us reach this goal at the very end of these next 13 months. And as Ryan said, it's really, we're encouraging you to spend some time in prayer. Just talk to God, see what he lays on your heart. And uh, we really feel God is in this. He's directing us. We've seen the doors open that we've needed opened. Yep. And just continue with the faithfulness. Yeah. 
And to be honest, in moments like this, I'm probably the most uncomfortable I ever am. I hate talking about money in church because here's what I know. Many people think that the church is after people's money. In fact, one of our little trifolds that we handed out on those doors that we knocked and still hand out today say that, you know, we know that you might be thinking the church is after your money, but we want you to know that we're not about that. And we try to steward everything well. In fact, that's why we made this a one fund. We didn't want to have to come back, right? We didn't want to do a land campaign. And then in a couple months, hey, Family Fun Fest, can you give again? And then, hey, a couple months later, Miracle Sunday, hey, can you give again? We wanted to be all in one place so people could make a prayerful, thoughtful goal and then divide that up. But it's really for the community. It's reaching out. It is. And again, if you have questions on that, please seek me out. And I'd love to chat with you about that. And like Ryan said, it's the one fund to make it simple. Um, allow you to budget, helps us budget too. Yep. Um, that we're, we're not after your money. We're here to do kingdom work. That's right. And so really, those are the only two times that we ask for additional offerings. This Family Fun Fest, to put that on and to do Christmas Miracle Sunday. And I don't know what church was like for you growing up, but for me growing up, they like passed the offering plate an extra time almost every week saying, hey, we need something else and something else and something else. And we just, when we started Riverway, we just said, we need to be good stewards of what people are already faithfully giving. And so as a church, we carry zero debt. We have from the very beginning. Uh, we don't owe anybody anything, and we believe that that puts us in a great financial position for the future. But it's been something that we've been very intentional to do, to live within our means and to continue to make a difference. And in our local community over the last seven years, we've given over a half million dollars that have been invested back into our community. And that's why, you know, this is so important even for us to get a little savings as a church, right, that we don't run as lean as maybe we do, but we just want to keep making a difference in people's lives. And that difference is visible. That's the big thing. Yeah. That, um, like Ryan said, the half million dollars, that's a huge impact. This yeah. is an area that we can touch, that we can make a difference. And again, thank you for being the church and, Thank you for allowing me to be a part of uh, this bigger picture. Yeah. Because without you guys, we don't get this done. Yeah. And I want to say thank you, too. I'm just so blown away at the generosity. And what the generosity represents is that people get this vision that Jesus was here for. To, to lead with compassion. To say, this isn't about us. What can we do? Right? I mean, I hope that one day my grandkids are attending Riverway. I hope my grandkids' kids are attending Riverway someday. And right now, we're kind of at that entry-level spot, right? We don't even have land yet. But one day, I'm going to get to say to our grandkids and our great-grandkids, we got to help build that thing. And I think that's... Look at the difference it's making. The thing, too, is understand that you are part of a bigger movement here. Yes. And Ryan says, enjoy the moment that we're in, that we yeah. do look back at this. Yeah. And we do look at our kids and our grandkids, that we are building a legacy for the kingdom. That's right. So we're just going to ask you to do is pray about it. That's it. This week, would you just pray about it? Have conversations. Talk to your spouse if you're married. And just say, what is God asking us to do in this season? How can we be a part of this landing place campaign?